I want to welcome everyone to Journey to Success Radio. A special thanks out to Tom Tutor Cunningham for allowing me to host today's show. My name is Chuck Bellina. I am an author, speaker, mindset development coach, and president of Results from Thinking, located here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My passion is to help my clients live life by design. And I do this by helping them first find and understand the power their mind has in all aspects of their daily living. I show them how they can identify and eliminate the habits that lead to unwanted results and open their mind's eye to the reality that they can create the life that they truly want. My website is resultsfromthinking.com. Today, I have a very special privilege of speaking with Marcus Aurelius Anderson. He is an author, TEDx speaker, keynote speaker, and executive mindset coach. While preparing to deploy with the U.S. Army, Marcus suffered a severe spinal injury that left him paralyzed. After dying on the operating table twice, the surgeon saved his life but told him he would never walk again. Having no other option, Marcus started doing some brutally honest soul searching, looking for the lesson to be learned through his injury. Once he started seeing his adversity as a gift instead of a curse, something miraculous began to happen. Marcus now speaks, writes, and inspires and teaches others to overcome their own adversity and actualize their personal definition of success. Marcus, I want to thank you for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me, Chuck, and, and thank you to Tom as well for inviting me on. I'm really excited to be here, my friend. Um, yeah, I, I, when Tom uh, shared the opportunity to speak with you today, I was excited. Not only uh, we share a common bond with being veterans, but also the work that you do in, uh, in the people that you get to help through your own experiences. So, um, you know, tell us a little bit about kind of, you know, you had some pretty traumatic things happen on the operating table, and that was sort of the start of where you're at now. Can you kind of give us a little bit more of a background of what was going on your mind and what was going rather through your mind at the time and, and how you kind of stepped into where you're at now? Absolutely, Chuck. The, what happened is I got injured when I was in the infantry. We were preparing to deploy. And as we were preparing to deploy with the training, I ruptured a disc in my neck and it paralyzed me from the neck down. Um, it, the description that they gave me is that the disc exploded in my neck. So it was a little bit more intense than just a bulging disc, I suppose. And it was at the same C5 nerve, dip, nerve level as where Christopher Reed was paralyzed from. So once they got me into the hospital and they got the MRI done, they were trying to get me under the knife as quickly as they could because they knew that I was having a hard, having a hard time breathing. I couldn't feel anything, obviously. So okay. my life was actually in danger at that point. Um, your mindset from where you were to where you're at now is, is obviously life-changing. And a lot of people would look at the circumstances that you went through and we call it a blessing or they label it, but going through it, a lot of people going through real struggle. The first thing you don't always think about is having a viewpoint of this is a gift. And, um, you know, you call it a gift, you call the adversity a gift. Um, how would you share that with someone that's struggling? That's what makes it hard. Just like you're alluding to, you know, at the time, I was not seen as a gift. I was scared to death. I was, I was angry. I went through the five stages of, you know, trying to absorb what was going on, essentially. The, the only way that I was able to start seeing my adversity as a gift was because I had 
three months of being in a bed and being just livid at everyone around me and at myself for wasting my life up to that point, it felt like. And then once I started realizing that I was wasting a lot of energy and it wasn't helping me in the end, it was actually making me more toxic. I was to the point where I was suicidal, but I couldn't even act on it because of my, my condition. Once I started looking around and realizing that this wasn't making me any better, that this wasn't moving me forward, I started trying to look at the, the 180 degree variation of that, the antithesis of what it was. So while anger is one thing, love is another. And while I didn't have a lot of people to really love at the time, being gracious, being grateful and having gratitude is what kind of made me start looking around at it. I've done martial arts since I was 11 years old. And a lot of those philosophies, a lot of the Stoic philosophy that's sort of ingrained within that um, in the military as well, it really helps you. You can suffer the hardship, but then it also kind of forces you to be accountable for what's going on. And that's what I looked at was this adversity was trying to point me in a direction and I was really too blind to see it because of my, my mindset and because of my anger at the time. And once I started looking outside of myself, I started looking at the people around me. If I had suffered this when I was deployed, I could have gotten other men killed. I could have got people on that helicopter that would have brought me in killed. I, I could have put a lot of other people in danger. So the whole time I was thinking, me, 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 I, I, I. But once I started looking at other people and realizing that it was a blessing that they weren't injured, right. all of a sudden things started changing for me. Right. Um, it's interesting. I studied material from Bob Proctor, and he talks about the way people change. And oftentimes it's one of two ways. One is a deliberate choice through repetition to change the negativity in your mind to a positive mindset. And the other one oftentimes is an adverse event and an emotional impact. And you definitely had an emotional impact that changed your life. And uh, you may find this with the people that you work with. Often the people that come to me are people, sort of two categories, someone that desires greater advancement from where they're at and they know they can do more, but many times someone who's struggling and they kind of say enough is enough. I'm done with this. I need to do something different. And they're looking for answers and they're kind of, they have their back against the wall. And I wish I could find the true solution to motivate someone prior to having their back against the wall uh, and experience a traumatic event in life, whether it's financial or a divorce or a diagnosis of a disease um, and take control and start to improve life instead of waiting. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, there's, it's extremely important, the daily disciplines and the priorities that you place upon the daily disciplines. And you have to realize the impact it's going to have on your overall life. And once you have that and you can understand that, then you can start to make the changes knowing that, you know, long-term they talk about dollar cost averaging, you know, saving money now, just a few dollars will have tremendous benefits later on in your life. But most people don't get that. You talk about, um, you know, actual priorities. What's an actual priority? You were talking earlier. I, I like the, the road you were going down when you were discussing how there are two different ways we can change. We can make the conscientious decision and we can use, you know, we repeat the, these patterns to try to improve ourselves. Yeah. But the reality is, again, most of us, we have to find some sort of adversity because Adversity is the ultimate form of accountability. It's a deadline that you cannot get past. You cannot say that the dog ate your homework. Adversity calls you on your BS, even when you don't know you're doing it. So that's what a priority is, is realizing that 
lot of times we get caught up in all the minutia of everything else in our lives. So by making nothing a priority, everything becomes a priority. Right. And then again, nothing becomes a priority in the long run. Right. So just like you're talking about, if you can get a handful of things and say, listen, my, my family is important or my, my purpose or my job, whatever that case, those cases may be, once you can get a leisure-like focus on that, that's what allows you to be able to find your vision, find your purpose, and you can work towards that. So for me, being stuck in a bed, unable to move, I can't get on the internet. I can't surf on, a, on my cell phone. I'm stuck up there, propped up watching Netflix. And eventually I get to the point where I said, just please turn it off and just leave me alone. Um, and of course, you know, people don't want you to do that, but I needed right. to do that because I had to go inside. I had right. to face this and I had to, you know, get down to brass tacks and find out what was really important. And the irony is, again, with the, having our back against the wall, like you said before, that adversity is what makes you really look at stuff. So lying there, you know, I was divorced. I was paralyzed. I turned 40 years old in that bed. I'm like, at 40 years old, I should be, you know, married and have a family and be successful and be happy, whatever that means. But then I got clarity and I realized that I was doing a lot of things for other people or I was trying to do other things because I wanted to impress these other people. And I realized that the things that were a priority for me had got caught up in that background of all that other noise. So all the other noise got turned down and I was able to get back to the signal and figure out what I really wanted. And my priorities initially, obviously, were to recover. Um, right. When I wasn't able to recover, I was trying to figure out, well, what's the lesson here? And once I found that priority, that was the foundation from which I could build everything else and I could start to recover. It's almost like a forced form of meditation. And, um, you know, for some reason when you were talking, I th thought of Bruce Lee's story when he was injured and he was laid up in bed and his wife got sick and tired of him complaining and said, you have a tremendous amount of knowledge in your head. I'm going to sit here and scribe it out for you. So tell me what to write. And um, he took the opportunity, you know, he, he, he was kind of forced to settle and get focused. And um, the gentleman I work with, a very successful business owner in the Pittsburgh area, um, recently had a retina torn in his eye. So when they did surgery, they put this gas bubble in it and he has to keep his head he has to look at the ground constantly. And he did that for two solid weeks straight. And he says, you have a lot of time to think because he can't drive, can't really watch TV. Um, you can only read so much and look at your phone so much. But he, he, he always reads. I mean, he is, Think and Grow Rich is his book. And, um, but he said he gave him a lot of perspective to sit there and just be in the zone and be quiet and listen to your mind and let it take you to where, you know, kind of like you said, um, the reasons why and what's really important. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a shame, I guess, in a sense that we allow things that have priority take control of our days that overshadow what's really important in our life. And um you just constantly run and you never have time. And then the whole concept of someone saying, well, I don't have time to work on myself. That's the exact, you know, Tony Robbins says, if you don't have 10 minutes in the day to do something for yourself, then your life's really messed up. But unfortunately, a lot of people just have this mindset and they're in the habit of running and never stopping. And then they'll complain for the, you know, about the very treadmill that they're on and uh, never really slow down. Sometimes you just want to go to the woods shut off all electronics, 
enjoy the walk, let your mind float and think of things that, uh, you know, are important to you and come to surface. So, um, yeah, I like that. That's, that's good stuff. And I'm really glad that, uh, you, you came through what you have and obviously your story, you're able to help so many people with the work that you do real quick before I forget, I want to introduce people to your website. It's Marcus Aurelius Anderson.com. Uh, that's M A R C U S A U R E L I U S A N D E R S O N.com. Marcus Aurelius Anderson.com. Uh, you can check, uh, check out Marcus's topics, uh, the opportunity for him to speak uh, for you. And there's a couple other things that we'll talk about real quick. Uh, a recent book that just launched. So, um, Marcus, one of the things you talk about is you said it's a good idea to disagree with someone. What do you mean by that? And do you want to start it now? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't agree with that statement. We'll first to, of all, we'll put it to the test. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really agree with that. Um, <laughs> that's the thing. It's very easy. We were just you were discussing earlier. Um, the idea that a lot of times we don't think about things and it's very easy for us to become intellectually pacified with uh, social media, with whatever's on TV or DVR or Netflix. And that's okay. I understand some of those things happen. It's nice to, if it's a form of self-care to just kind of release, that's okay. But th the idea is if we don't have somebody that challenges us or if we don't have somebody that forces us to even ask ourselves, why do I think that? Or why do I believe that? It's impossible for us to have any kind of perspective and to learn. So if, if you and I have a conversation, all we do is agree, that doesn't really help either one there's of us. No growth. Even in, no, there's not. And for and for better or for worse, pain and discomfort are the best forms of teachers that, that cause growth. Right. So again, um, and, and it helps me in two capacities. One, it helps me one learn to listen to what you have to say and be mature about it, be stoic about it, if you will. And I try to take the knowledge from the messenger without judging the, the source. And then it also makes me, again, well, why do I disagree with that? Do I disagree with that because of this sociopolitical or this religious or whatever the, the case may be? And if I can look at it from that standpoint, it helps. In the, uh, in the military, for example, I was in a course for the designated marshmen, and they had a lot of objects that were hidden, and they gave us a certain parameter. And they said, okay, you know, try to find as many items as you can. They gave us a minute, we wrote it all down. And then they said, okay, now here's the technique. Every single one of you did it the way that we do when we read, which is you went from left to right. I want you guys to do the exact same thing and I want you to go from right to left. And all that does is it changes your perspective for right. a second. Because we're not used to going from left to right, we have to go from right to left. It makes us slowly look, digest. We see things that we would normally miss. And just right. that simple demonstration of a change in perspective, I tripled the amount of items I was able to find, and I saw all kinds of other things that I've easily overlooked literally the first time. So just that simple idea of changing your perspective, changing how you look at something, and that's what happens whenever you have a person who disagrees with you. If I automatically shut somebody off because I'm like, oh, I don't like the way that they're dressed, or I don't like what they're, they're saying, or yada, 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 then I'm losing a tremendous opportunity for growth and for learning in my mind. Absolutely. Not to mention uh, the value that you can add to that person. And I'm sure that you, this skill you've learned both you, you identified in the military, but also in your martial arts training. Um, and that's interesting. Uh, recently, I um, listened to someone. Uh, they started writing with their right hand. And they were writing at the, um, the last chapter of um, 
serenity and the concept of using, you know, you break your arm, your writing hand, you're forced to write with your other hand and it's complex and it's messy, but there's a lot more skill required because those, those neurons and pathways are not developed to make that a smooth routine and a habit in your life. And I think that's the biggest thing. When I work with people, I, I challenge them. I said, look, you got to open up your mind's eye and challenge everything in your life and look at everything and evaluate it. And you're going to come across a number of things that bring you value. You know, if you're always on time or early, you know, trying to remember the phrase in the military, uh, if you're on time, you're late. Uh, to be on time is to be late. And uh, Yeah, if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. If you're late yeah, or it, 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 if you're on time, it's 15 minutes early, actually. So, um, but it's a mindset. But it, there are good habits that you have that make life healthy, uh, relationship-wise, um, health-wise, eating habits. And then there's other habits that you do that you don't even realize you do things that you say that reinforce what brings you down. And, you know, to your point about it's good to disagree instantly, someone will say, well, you're just doing that because you like arguments or, you know, some people just don't even want to hear you and they want to shut you down. Um, and it, and it stifles growth. And oftentimes that person probably complains about everything and argues about everything because they're accustomed to doing that and they're probably conditioned to do that over the years and um and struggle and and you know if you can move past that if you have people like that in your life you can move past that um and engage with people and grow and and, and develop and you'll the more you learn the more you uh can improve your life and make changes that are necessary for you um, I've heard it that we're, we're sort of uh, creatures of adaptation, you know, as an infant, we are learned and taught how to walk and talk and eat and dress ourselves and read and write and math and everything else. And at a certain point, if you're unhappy with an area of your life, I would chalk that up to say, well, you stop learning, you stop developing, you're, you're a creature of adaptation. You can adapt, you know, we are probably the only creatures on earth that can go into any corners of the earth and survive. And um, so if you're unhappy with an area of your life, maybe it's finances, maybe it's your education level, maybe it's uh, health. Why did you stop learning? Uh, you know, who told you that that's as far as you can go. And um, you know, oftentimes, as you would know, it's limiting beliefs that hold people back. Um, but no, that's really good. And I agree with you. It's, it's good to disagree. Um, I'm not going to disagree with you on that one. Um, <laughs> well, I appreciate that. So, uh, all right. So um, why a deadline is more important than anyone realizes. So deadlines, how does that help you? The deadline, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that adversity was the ultimate form of accountability, but another great form of accountability is a deadline that we respect. So if we don't have a deadline, time really doesn't mean much. It's just this sort of arbitrary thing. Mm -hmm. um, Parkinson's law, for example, dictates that the more time that we have to do something, the longer it takes for us to do that. So if you tell me that I need this paper done in three days, it's probably going to take me three days. But if you get on me and say, I need it in two hours. You can knock it on two hours. hours. I, just, I just heard that just recently. And it's, it's, it's a fact. Um, as a matter of fact, with my book, we were talking about my deadline was moved up significantly. So I was able, my, I, I say I, I say myself and my team, uh, Rachel Williams and Lacey French, 
they were nice enough to clear their schedules and we got three out three weeks worth of material done in two days now they were two 18 hour days and it was rough and you know as an author as a speaker there's always snags and there's always things that you don't a little adversity yeah just a touch just enough to kind of keep you honest and it pushes you to get that done but yet once we were done and we were able to take a breath and you know we all went out to dinner to celebrate it was amazing what we can get done once we have a true deadline. Now, do we want to operate at that level all the time? Of course not. But right. in the military, that's going to happen. In life, that's going to happen. So we have to have that mindset already affixed before we hit the adversity. The same reason why we have life insurance, the same reason we have car insurance, the same reason we know how to get out of a house in a fire is because we don't hope those things happen. Right. But nothing breeds confidence like preparation. Absolutely. So if you and I are driving cross country across the country from say, you know, the East coast to the West coast and three hours into it, you say, Hey Marcus, I forgot. I forgot to put the spare tire in the back because we're not prepared. The one thing we're going to be worried about the whole time is if I don't get a flat. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. That's, yeah, you're right. that's always on our minds. So preparation is key and the deadline is what kind of forces us to, to get to those points. So again, with the paper or, Again, in my example with the book, the deadline was what actually makes us rise to that occasion. And adversity does that. Adversity doesn't let us slack or doesn't let us coast. It forces us to elevate. It forces us as a catalyst to get better and get stronger. And without that push, a lot of times we're not going to do it. Right. And uh, so I'll um, identify your book right now. It's called The Gift of of Adversity. So The Gift of Adversity. Uh, You launched it in late October. And it's available on Amazon. It's also available on your website, MarcusAureliusAnderson.com. And um, so it's definitely uh, worth going getting right now to uh, read. And the biggest thing that stops people is the start, right? And a lot of people feel that they're not prepared. A lot of people think that they're not ready, that they don't have the confidence. They want things perfect. And Think and Grow Rich um, Napoleon Hill talks about six steps that you need to do. What do you want? What are you willing to give? When you want it by, write out a definite uh, statement of everything and begin immediately, even though you're not prepared. And that's that holds a lot of people back. Uh, fear of failure, fear of you know what if. Um, I've been listening to some um, uh, Grant Cardone material recently and he said create a problem like go all out do massive action and generate a problem and the problem is if you're scheduling appointments with people and you end up scheduling three people overlapping you got a good problem um that's okay you know versus you schedule one person and they show up or they don't show up at three and they cancel on you you know that's not a good problem so you will I'm sure when you started writing the book, you're like, I don't know. I've never written before. I don't know that I'm an author. I don't know how to do this. And you were forced to do it. You started doing it and you're knee deep into it. And you learned as you, as you went, you asked questions, you talked to people who've done it before. You got counsel from your publisher, people that you're working with. You got motivated. You set deadlines. The deadline moves on you. You know, all your skills um, came together to make it happen. But then you look back and say, look how far I've come. It's great to be able to look back, but the person that's looking at the road ahead of them saying, good Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not ready. How about I wait till Monday? You know what? I'm going to wait January, January 1st. 
New Year's resolutions. Everyone does it. <laughs> you know, let me, let me just get through December and I'll start January 1st. You know what? Start today. Just do something. Do five minutes. You know, anyone, anyone can commit to five minutes. So that makes a lot of sense uh, why deadlines are so important. Um, let's see. How to make efficiency your secret weapon. What do you mean by that? Well, like you say, and enforcing those deadlines is a good way to do it. You were mentioning earlier about the idea of, say, like uh, compounding investments with money. Yeah. It's the same thing. I try to, again, there's this, we all have a default setting ment mentally. So whether it be the chorus of a song that you don't really care for, that you remember from high school for whatever reason, or a conversation. And or, you probably have those words wrong, too, in your head anyway. Yeah, you, you do, and you're <laughs> constantly repeating it, right? Right. Um, Until you learn the true words, you're like, wow, I've been saying it wrong all these years. That doesn't, that doesn't even make sense. And then you're like, yeah, no, I don't, how did I get that in the first place? <laughs> but by having those, well, I mean, we're in the same space. So uh, Dr. Marshall Goldsmith, he talks about, you know, in triggers, he talks about these six things that he's trying to do, the questions that he asks himself. The, what I try to do is I, I just try to take three of those things that are very, that, that cover the most basis, so to speak, the whole Pareto principle, the whole 80-20 idea. And I use that as my default setting. So I, for the day, for the week, for the month, for the year, I have definitive goals. So when I default back to, if I have a moment to think, I'm thinking, well, what, is, what are my goals for today? What am I doing to work towards those goals? And then what am I doing to stay present? And by doing those three things, or at least being cognizant of those three things and keeping yourself accountable, it automatically, almost vicariously pushes you in the direction of all these other things. So instead of having to worry about every small idiosyncratic thing on this list, if you take care of these three things and you constantly bring yourself back to that, as opposed to being distracted by the next shiny thing or putting out another fire, as it were, this keeps you constantly ever cognizant of what you should be doing. And just that presence alone will keep you from being distracted by so many other things that we aren't even aware of. Uh, again, the whole idea of Pareto's principle, 80-20 principle, um, like we mentioned before, I also have a protocol that I use, and I don't know if I, we can call it the Marcus Aurelius Anderson protocol or whatever, but all it is is I, I have 50-minute increments, mm -hmm. five-zero minute increments, and then a 10-minute yep. break. And I just, I try to intellectually sprint as hard as I can. And okay. again, by, yeah, and by knowing that I have 50 minutes to get this done, that's my accountability. That keeps me laser focused. But if I give myself three hours to get something done, that's whenever, you know, even me, I'm, I'm preaching to, to be efficient, but yet it is easy to be t not really tempted, but well, I'm going to listen to some music while I'm doing this. You get on Pandora or, oh, well, I'll check my email or, oh, we'll look at this social media outlet. And all of a sudden, before you know it, it's been 45 minutes. Right. And it gets right. away from us. So those small things make a big difference if we are aware of it. But again, without the deadline, without something keeping us accountable, it's very easy to become inefficient. And the problem with inefficiency is because it becomes habitual. Right. So the power of habit tells us that, you know, 40% of what we do, a lot of it is, we do it subconsciously. We just yep. do it. So again, if I can subconsciously put myself back into that default setting, that mindset of what do I need to be doing now? What are my goals? And is what I'm doing right now making me closer to my goals? Am I staying present in that fact? Outside of that, everything else kind of, falls away as it were. Makes a lot of sense. And you're tying everything uh, that we just talked about together um, in a real nice usable format. Um, 
oftentimes a goal of a certain income level, a certain weight loss can be overwhelming. And then you look up, you get up this morning and you look to say, okay, I'm supposed to do, you know, a 20 minute aerobic or go for a walk or lift for X number of minutes. And you might think that the impact to lose 30 pounds in X number of months is not going to, it's not, it's too big. But if you can break it down and you can look at where you want to be into daily disciplines and then make sure that all you have to do, because we are, again, creatures of habit, you get up, you brush your teeth, you wash your face, or you get a shower, or you go to the gym, you make your coffee, you get in the car, you know, you put your pants on a certain way, you tie your shoes a certain way. Um, I remember when I started running, I started learning how to tie your shoes, the runner's tie, so the, the, the knot never comes undone. Man, that took me forever to like figure out. Now I can do it and I don't even think about it. But you, you're in such a routine, and the goal is to incorporate these desired disciplines to achieve a certain goal into your daily act actions and um and then that's all you focus on you don't focus on the larger scale which can be overwhelming vision boards you dream it you you keep it fresh in your mind that's that's your target but the impact is going to be on your daily activities and if you're efficient with your time i love the 50 minutes um i would run um, uh, nine minutes and then walk a minute and then run nine minutes and walk a minute and I was able to push my distance out a lot farther than just keep running. And I think more so it was a mental thing Sorry. than a physical element. And, um, you know, so I love the whole uh, 50 minutes and 10 minutes that you incorporate. You generate efficiency. You have this mindset that it's only 50 minutes. I can do anything for 50 minutes. I don't have to waste time. And uh, you know that you have a, a brief break in between to address anything else that might come about during that 50 minute window. I get to respond to a phone call, do that. I'll refresh my coffee or whatever, use the restroom, those kind of things. Um, I like that a lot. And I'm assuming that's something you talk about in, uh, in your book as well. Yes. In the, it's, it's kind of crazy because initially I was going to break the book into almost three different books because a lot of people love the TEDx talk and they love the motivation and they love the inspiration behind it. But what I do is I, I put the inspiration and the motivation sort of at the beginning. And I don't want to say inspiration or motivation. I just tell my story. But then I talk about, again, as we were saying, we get down to priorities, we get down to brass tacks. And then I talk about the steps that I took to recover mentally, emotionally, physically. And then I talk about all these tactics that allow me to do that and be ruthlessly efficient with these things so that I could get there because that was what I wanted more than anything else was to get back even an inkling of what I had before. And that fear of losing it and that fear of it maybe coming back to, to bite me, that was the biggest kind of urgency that I could possibly get. So by doing that and by taking all these things that it's like everything else, I, we all know what needs to be done, mm -hmm. but it's a question of doing it. So again, the whole new year's resolution principle of people that oh, I'm going to wait and then it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. That's what I was doing. So I collected these things and I put them together about efficiency to where there was no way I could fail, to where every default setting that I had was positive and every contingency plan that I had was predicated on succeeding in some capacity. What that did is that helped me succeed. That set me up to succeed. That gave me confidence. Right. So even if I fell down, I was still falling forward as it were. Right. And that allowed me to continue to, to use that momentum. People forget about momentum. As you said before, the start is the most difficult part. So if I'm trying to pick a heavy weight off the ground, 
I have to pick it up with commitment for that first 10%. Once it's moving, the rest of it's follow through. Right. But that first part is the, the most difficult thing. So for me, that's exactly what it was. And then any person who's been through a trauma, whether it be physical or emotional, our natural tendency as human beings is to put as much distance between us and that as we can, because we don't want to have to face it. Right. But what I do every day is I try to have some sort of mindset or some sort of adversity that tethers me to that, that keeps me cognizant and helps me remind me. So a lot of people practice gratitude and I, I, I think that's very important. But what I do is I also give myself three adversities that I overcame that day, whether it be, again, a hardship, whether it be traffic, whether it be anything that I can give myself a little bit of credit for to keep me honest and to help me realize that I did overcome something today or I did get something done today. Right. And that may not seem like a big deal, but, you know, we were mentioning clients before. If you have a client who's, you know, has some really bad depression or mood disorders or whatever the case may be, just getting out of bed for that person may be a huge accomplishment. Oh yeah, absolutely. So instead of, so instead of beating them up about it or instead of them judging themselves about it, it's like, give yourself credit for what you have done and let's move forward with that. And what that does is that also sets the pace for the next day. So if all I did yesterday was get up out of bed, that shows me one that I can do it. And then the next day it's like, well, all I did yesterday was get out of bed. Maybe today right. I can do more. Maybe right. Today I can go outside. Maybe if I had these xenophobic ideas, I can actually go out to the store and buy something. And then it's those baby steps. It's the small incremental increases that those make little us wins. succeed. Yeah, those little wins. And then if you do have a horrible today, give yourself a 24-hour reset because you know the script for today is not written. You know until I get through it, and then what I you know what happened today only gets carried through until tomorrow if I allow it. And uh, if you had a bad day today, it's up to you to decide whether or not you're going to carry that into tomorrow's script uh, and you know continue to live your life that way. Uh, gratitude is a great way to really change your mood. There are so many forms of information coming at us. You know, the people we interact with, uh, social media, newspapers, radio, TV, the environment, the traffic in a busy city, uh, the frustrations of other people feed us. And rare is it the positive idea, comment, you know, and, and when you hear it, you're taken aback by it and you're, you're blessed by, it. you know, someone opens the door and says, Hey, you know, love your smile. Hey, beautiful eyes. Hey, I like that shirt you're wearing or whatever it is. And you're like caught off guard by it because that's rare. So you have to be your biggest advocate to feed the positive elements, the mindset and uh, the little successes on a daily basis, because there's, there's way too many negative, uh, too many people jump on the negative bandwagon and, you got to fight for everything you can get regarding the positive mindset. Uh, you're, you're talking about just, you know, the energy to get up, get up. Mel Robbins talks about activation energy just to move, you know, to get out of bed. That's the hardest part. Um, the hardest part in running is going out the door and um, it's called activation energy. She gave a great example of a steam locomotive and, you know, the thing will blow through walls, but before it starts, you put a, uh, a brick in front of the wheel and let's see that thing steam up and it's not exactly. going to overcome that little brick. But once that thing gets going, nothing's going to stop it. So, uh, you know, take that upon yourself. Getting out of bed is the hardest part. Once you're out of bed now, you know, I'm, I'm working with someone and we're talking about cell phones. Cell phones should not be the first thing you grab in the morning unless your alarm's on it. Put it in the bathroom. You have to get up out of bed and go grab it. Now you're out of bed. Now you're away. That was the hardest part of your day. 
Now begin your day, you know, do gratitude, do affirmations, do gratitude, go work out, go wash your face, go make your coffee, go read a book, go read your book, right? The gift of adversity. (laughs) Um, How about this? Three questions to ask yourself every day to make you more productive. The, those three questions would kind of be that default setting that I was talking about. Okay. We decide, we decide to, you know, and we can revisit those. Yeah, please. The idea is, the idea is to, again, and that's why it's so important to have those definitive goals out there. You know, if I don't have a goal, then it's like, oh, I've just got all this extra free time. And now it's easy to become distracted by all these other things. But the idea is to have definitive goals in mind for that day. And then make sure that the things that we are doing at this present moment push us closer to those goals. because either it's making us better, either the food I'm eating, either the water I'm drinking, either the exercise that I'm doing, or either the, the content of whatever it is that I'm consuming is either making me better or worse. And that's the idea is to, to keep ourselves cognizant of that. And then again, the idea of just being present. Presence is the best compliment you can give anybody. Absolutely. So in a, in a, whether it be a conversation, like you said, opening the door. And as you're mentioning as well, it, it is becoming less and less common. Mm-hmm. So you have a conversation with somebody, if their phone goes off, a lot of times they will pick that phone up. Yeah. I turn my phone off. I put it on airplane mode. Uh, again, we talk about priorities. When I'm with somebody, when I'm with a client, if I'm talking to a friend, they are my priority. Whatever's on that phone can wait. I yeah. understand that I, we, we, you and I both do a lot of business on the phone, yeah. but th- that can wait for a second. That's not the, the biggest the thing right there. Absolutely. Be in the moment. Yeah. Um, and you are right. A lot of people will do that and, um, we're kind of losing sight, but, uh, hang on to that. Uh, it's a definite skill. Um, so the book is, uh, the gift of adversity and it's on, uh, Amazon. It's uh, something that you can grab right now. Uh, you can also go to Marcus Aurelius Anderson.com. So Marcus, so you do coaching, you do speaking. Uh, if someone wants to get a hold of you for either of your services, what's your focus? Um, you know, any any unique speaking opportunities that you seek out that you a group that you like to work with or a type of client that you like to work with i like to work i mean i've i've got clients that are everywhere from professional athletes to ceos and executives but if it's anybody that needs help with some sort of mindset obviously you know that's what i i specialize in i have a lot of people that are drawn to me that have gone through adversity or that are currently going through adversities in some capacity and then when it comes to speaking, I'm, my TEDx talk is a pretty good sort of flavor of what I do, but I talk about leadership as well. And in all these arenas, they sort of bleed into one another. We, we see the idea of accountability and leadership, accountability, you know, and the manifestation of adversity. We, you know, Pressfield, Stephen Pressfield talks about in the War of Art, he talks about resistance and he capitalizes the R. I look at adversity much in the same manner and I capitalize adversity when I when I write a lot of times, right. but I look at it as a much more adversarial and aggressive form of resistance because it's not just going to stand in front of you. It's going to stand in front of you, push you back, throw blows right. at you. Right. And that's where we have to, uh, you were mentioning Bruce Lee before. Uh, my instructor um, is named Guru Dana Santo. He's Bruce Lee's protege. And I've been doing Jeet Kune Do for a long time. Um, I've been lucky enough to become an instructor under Guru Santo recently. So I'm very proud of that. And that lineage is amazing. And as you can imagine, when he teaches, philosophy is a huge part of it. And people, the only thing that separates um, a a barbarian who's a fighter and a warrior is the ethos of which we uphold ourselves to. 
the the sword coming down you know towards your opponent the the, philo the philosophical implication is not necessarily the most important thing there and having said that we don't necessarily have the luxury of being philosophical when we're in a fight having said all that the idea is to be prepared with that mindset no matter what you're running into so whether it be a physical altercation the mentality or even like a self-defeated idea of i have a lot of clients that have come to me that have this they aren't aware of it but you know i can recognize it is this pseudo victim mentality right and, and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy and it's a cycle that is very difficult to break and when they get to that point it's impossible if they run into anything that's even construed to be adversity or you know interpreted to be something negative they will just sort of shut down and and go away from it when in actuality it was just the fact that they do not have the confidence or they're allowing anything to turn them into a person who can't accomplish whatever this is and if we don't break that if we don't begin to give them that permission to be happy that permission to go after what they want they're just going to be relegated to whatever they can find and lots of times that's not going to be something that's going to be to their advantage to say the least absolutely and they also have to believe that they're deserving of it that's it they they are more than worthy of it and again we can have whatever we want if we so desire it having said that we do have to the price of greatness is adversity and so if you're not willing to pay that price if you're not willing to you know the first time something comes up against you and says well no you can't have this if you just turn around and turn around and you know put your tail between your legs and say okay then you're going to be disappointed for the rest of your life Right. No, absolutely. And something as simple as adversity or an adverse event in your life, you know, you have two choices and you can be impacted negatively by circumstances in your life and be victimized, or you can choose to work around it or create your own circumstances and overcome it. And uh, that's uh, definitely what you've been talking about. And um, your story, which I, uh, Marcus, I appreciate you sharing with us. And uh, it sounds like you really laced this out in your book. Well, the gift of adversity. Um, uh, if you're looking to get his book, the gift of, of adversity, it's on Amazon. And you can also find information on his website, Marcus Aurelius Anderson.com. Marcus, uh, we're going to close out any final words that you have for the audience. Um, well, first of all, thank you to your entire audience for listening to us. Um, I hope that we gave you some good stuff and it was edifying. Thank you, Chuck, for having me. And thank you to Tom for, you know, extending that invitation. I'm really pleased with it. And I, I love the work you guys are doing. So just keep at it. Very cool. Appreciate you uh, coming on. Um, again, Marcus, uh, thank you for joining us today and sharing uh, some incredible insights. Uh, I want to thank our listening audience for joining us today as well. You're listening to Journey to Success Radio. Uh, this is Marcus Aurelius Anderson. And uh, his book, The Gift of Adversity, can be found on Amazon. And his website is MarcusAureliusAnderson.com. This is Chuck Bellina signing out. Have a wonderful day.